She cupped the lukewarm water and splashed it over her face again and again. The obsessive remembering ceased. A boon, if even for one breath, not to think. She reached for a nearby towel, but sensed someone standing behind her. Her eyes fluttered open. Eyelashes wet, chin dripping, she adjusted to the white, sunlit bathroom. In the mirror above the sink, a young woman calmly watched her from the doorway. Helix of dark hair curled over one shoulder. Brown liquid eyes, yellow silk blouse, gold chain around her neck with the heart dangling from it. Her daughter. But her daughter at eighteen. All grown. Not the four-year-old daughter Vera had left behind in France. When she spun around, the girl was gone. Vera stared into the vacant doorway and steadied herself against the sink basin, the cool ceramic pressing into the small of her back. Lucie, she whispered into the still air. Lucie. She never stopped thinking of the day they left Lucy, as if reliving it would crystallise or explain something that she had overlooked. But no matter how many times Vera circled back, that day remained implacable. It cared nothing for how swiftly a life could darken. They had gone on holiday early, leaving Paris in the beginning of May 1940, in anticipation of the occupation, decamping to the southern seaside town, Saint-Marie-sur-Mer, where they kept a summer house. The Werfels, the Freudenbergers, and Hugo Lafont and his wife Inez were already there, and Max and Vera felt safe in the south, among friends, discussing the war in lowered tones as they sipped chilled champagne in Elsa Freudenberger's garden, among the lemon trees, the scent of lime blossom infiltrating their fear, lessening it. And the heady scent of fig trees, azure waters lapping against a long, sandy coastline, a forest full of pines Vera loved to stroll through, notebook in hand, preparing for an image or a phrase that might present itself made it seem as though their circumstances had not been greatly altered. She had just finished her third novel, about an old French farming family from Vosges. The family's attachment to the land and its customs stretches back generations until the Great War upends their lives, taking away their sons. The novel is from the mother's point of view, and the loss of her sons causes delirious grief. After the war... One son returns, only to relay that the other one died on the Eastern Front. The son who survived has changed, no longer caring for the farm, the family, or the land he's inherited. He only cares for freedom, his own personal freedom. And so the mother learns another kind of grief. Some afternoons Vera spread a cardigan over the coniferous earth and lay down contemplating the thrushes rustling overhead, replaying bits and pieces of dialogue the mother has said, or might say, to her estranged son, and cupping a fuzzy peach in the palm of her hand. She felt lucky. But one early evening in the beginning of June, the setting sun filtering through the linen curtains, Vera listened to the news in the little room on the ground floor where she kept the radio, 
The terse male voice on the wireless reported that the situation did not look positive, neither in Belgium nor in the Netherlands. Lying on the small, worn sofa, she closed her eyes, palms resting on her abdomen. Calmed by how naturally, without any effort, her breath rose and fell, wondering what Sabine, the cook, had prepared for dinner, deciphering various smells emanating from the kitchen on the far side of the house. Salmon with fennel and raisins? Then she heard, All foreign nationals residing in the precincts of Paris and all persons between the ages of 17 and 55 who do not possess French citizenship must report for internment. She sat up, light-headed, a metallic secretion flooding her mouth. Blinking into the falling dark, she switched on the lamp. Max, she called, standing up. 